I'm a 40-year-old pastor. Smack dab in the middle of my life. Serving a church smack dab in the middle of the city. And I have all the same questions that everybody else does. I read the scriptures every day and feel mostly equipped for the work ahead of me. And yet, I too have clay feet and I need the same grace that everybody else does. On Sunday mornings, my favorite thing is to stand out on what I call my perch outside of our church. Two little steps where I stand and greet people on the way into church. Getting to know new people, seeing the same familiar faces. I love that. Soon people will be singing to Jesus and receiving the sacraments and saying hi to one another and catching up. But in these brief exchanges, it feels almost like magic to me. I think the thing I miss most about being together on Sunday mornings is that I don't get to see faces and hug people. As people approach the perch, most everyone has the same look on their faces, regardless of where they're coming from or what they're currently going through. There are the hurried moms and dads who just crawled out of the van, struggling to get the kids to Sunday school on time, and both have a question in their eyes. Is there grace for me too? Or maybe it's a friend that's having an ongoing faith crisis who for some reason or another pulled herself out of bed, filled the tumbler with coffee, and came anyway. When she and I make eye contact, you can tell she's suddenly surprised by herself. She's darkening the doors of a church, and as she gets closer, I can tell she's got the same question in her eyes, too. Is there grace for me, too? Finally, my wife walks up the sidewalk. Her kids blow past me, yelling, Hey, Daddy, as they head in for donuts. Jana is a woman who's never been fond of the title pastor's wife. I like that about her. This isn't because she doesn't love my vocation or occupation or the church. She just doesn't need another role to fill any more than anyone else. And when I see her, she can see that my eyes are asking the same question that everyone else is asking on the way in. Is it grace for me too? Joy says something like, I'm so glad to be here today. Jesus loves you, babe. take just a couple of moments and walk through Psalm chapter 23. This is undoubtedly the most famous psalm in scripture, and aside from John 3.16, it's probably the most well-known passage in the Bible. David, king of Israel, pens this psalm in a very personal way, and he skips so much flowery jargon that often passes for worship on Christian radio. He's not an angry 
argumentative armchair theologian straining out every theological gnat. David is not speaking to, for, or with the entire congregation of Israel. He speaks in very personal ways about God and how he relates to him personally. And I love this because he knows that this song isn't going to be confined to a mere journal entry privately, but is going to be included in the public hymn book, the catalog for the whole nation to sing. David was aware that God not only sees a crowd, he sees faces. And God does not merely count numbers, he knows names. And that God is not generally aware of the nation as a whole, but is present, imminent, and available to a person. Psalm 23 is for the person asking with their eyes, Is there grace for me too? David uses two metaphors to describe God. The first is a shepherd, and the second is a host on a waitstaff. In both scenarios, King David is the one in need of protection, provision, and guidance. He's the receiver of grace upon grace. He begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We use the word pastor to describe dirty, draining, diligent work of a shepherd. David opens with the confession that his deepest needs will not be met by the military, politics, the nation, or even his own self. God is his shepherd, and nothing can change that. Many of us are worried about the state of our city, our country, our world. We're glued to our screens, guessing what tomorrow might bring. You may be at your wit's end, asking, Is there grace for me too? David says, The Lord's your shepherd. You're not alone. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Notice that David says that his shepherd knows what's best for him, taking him to pleasant, safe places. Maybe you had your heart broken this year. Perhaps your business suffered tremendously. For some, your marriage has been through the ringer. After this much, you may be asking, is there grace for me too? I need a break. I need to lay down. Is there any water? David says, oh yeah, I hope you like the colors blue and green. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you know David's story, then you know that his soul is often in need of a God-sized restoration. David understood that his throne would be established forever, but that's not because of his flawless moral track record. It'll be accomplished by grace alone. To have your soul turned around or inside out is quite the predicament, because we can't reach inside and untangle the mess within any more than a person can perform heart surgery on himself. Perhaps by this point in life, the king realized that even anointed men and women can go astray, and the deepest soul work must be done by God himself. Maybe you've lost your way over this year, and your soul is somewhere out there with the prodigal son, hung over in a pigsty, 
and you're wondering, is there grace for me too? David says, oh yes, the tangled up yarn of your own soul is no match for the fingers of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David describes the fact that though he's the king of Israel, chosen and anointed by God, he too must still walk through the valley of the shadow of death. All of life is learning to let go. Let go of our friends. Let go of family members. In the end, we let go of our own selves. The valley of the shadow of death can pop up in any place. It can look like a hospital waiting room. It can look like a late night fight with your spouse. Sometimes it's in your car when you remembered what happened to you so long ago, but nobody else knows that that actually happened. We all find ourselves in this valley. Maybe over the last several months, you found yourself there and you're asking, is there grace for me too? David says, look to the shepherd's hands. What do you see? His right hand has a club for the bears and lions and foxes. And in his left, there is a shepherd's staff to pull you back in case you decide to wander off. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Though radically different occupations, the shifting of the image from shepherd to banquet host still communicates the heart, intentions, and actions of God. Like you and me, even kings have enemies, get hungry, and enjoy dessert on the house. What kind of God chooses such humility? Here we see Almighty God, the divine waiter with his apron on, preparing a table for his cherished David. The thing about Yahweh is that if he's in the mood to celebrate, he doesn't have to wait until the enemies are all gone to finally pour the best wine and enjoy his friends. Far from it. Today is the day of salvation. Right here, in the middle of the chaos, we can enjoy being together. How long has it been since you enjoyed a true, uninterrupted Sabbath with God? Not only does God prepare a meal, but he anoints David with oil. David knows he's king, so why the reminder? Because a title doesn't give David the power, strength, wisdom, courage, or integrity to lead the nation. But anointing does. A relationship does. Maybe you feel far from God and don't feel up to the task ahead of you. And you're asking, is there grace for me too? David would remind you. You are chosen, anointed, and empowered. God is not running out of water or wine, and if he wants to turn one into the other, he will do just that. The cup is overflowing, the kitchen is stocked. You have only one thing to do. Enjoy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
After David finishes his meal and he puts down the utensils and wipes his mouth and he stares out the window, after a moment, deep, gut-level gratitude wells up from within him and he says out loud to God and his fellow dinner guest, and most certainly his own soul, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Like those of you who are asking, is there grace for me too? David has not forgotten the pain of the past or the presence of the enemies or tomorrow's rainy forecast. It is precisely with these things in mind that David says mercy and goodness are always right on my heels. And as David draws his final breath, asking, is there grace for me too? He assures himself that goodness and mercy will swallow him up entirely and that he will live in the house of the Lord forever.